Al Jazeera podcast. Hundreds of pro-Palestinian protesters gather in the dark and cold. They've assembled at the port of Tacoma in the U.S. state of Washington. Their plan? To block a ship carrying U.S. military cargo that they believe is headed to Israel. With the large gray vessel towering over them, they're putting their bodies on the line to prevent it from leaving the dock. There are people now that have climbed onto the ship. Protests like these have been happening in the United States, UK, and Australia. Around 500 pro-Palestinian protesters have rallied outside one of the country's largest cargo ports to block an Israeli shipping company. Demonstrators took to the water on jet skis with the intention of blocking the arrival of an Israeli ship. These protests are an effort to stop any type of funding reaching Israel for it to continue its war on Gaza. But they come as the White House is proposing unprecedented amounts of military aid to the country. President Biden is asking Congress to approve more than $100 million in aid. The $105 billion aid package includes $14 billion for Israel. As the U.S. continues to push for more funding for Israel, who are the people trying to stop weapons from being sent? And how exactly do you stop a military cargo ship set to depart? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My name is Mohammed Sheikh, and I'm a member of AROC, the Arab Resource and Organizing Center, which is an organization based in the Bay Area that works to build power amongst Arab and Muslim communities. And your work has recently made headlines. Has it been a busy month for you, a busier month than usual? I am Palestinian, and um, so I have, I have family back home, and it has been an extremely busy month for us with everything that's happening in Palestine. We are doing what we can here in the U.S., So, Mohammed, let's talk about AROC and the work that you and the group have been doing. Your group is behind protesters blocking cargo from leaving the port of Tacoma in Washington state on a U.S. military ship named the Cape Orlando. That was November 6th. Pro-Palestinian protesters blocked a ship for hours that was headed to the Middle East. The group says that the ship is headed to Israel to deliver weapons and other military equipment. That same ship, by the There was a similar protest on November 3rd to block that same ship in Oakland, California, and you were there. Paint a picture for me of the scene that day. Yeah, so I, you know, arrived at the port of Oakland um, around 5.45 in the morning. People were just starting to trickle in. It was dark. It was cold. But it was a very familiar scene to me uh, because I had been at protests there in years prior for, for similar actions. The port is very vast. Once we had about 
50, 60 people there from where the ship was docked. We began to chant. We formed a picket line in front of that gate. And um, the protest was underway with more and more people now starting to, to trickle in. You got there around 5 a.m. How long of a day was this? It was a very long day. We were there for about nine hours. Wow. Wow. So you mentioned you had been to the port before, and that's because activists, including your group, have been targeting Israeli commercial ships for years now. But this was different. This was a U.S. flagship. And on this vessel, there was suspected cargo going to Israel. And your group organized this because you got a tip. So maybe to back up just a little bit, this ship, the the Cape Orlando, had been docked in the Bay Area for a long time now. You know, it was decommissioned by the military. And... It had just been sitting there. That was all public information. We also knew that this ship, the the last missions that it had been on, was in the wars of Iraq and Afghanistan. So it had been used to carry military equipment, weaponry during those U.S.-led wars. We then received a a word from a confidential source with credible information from the port that this ship was headed to the state of Israel to deliver military equipment and weapons. We were told that the ship was being recommissioned for this purpose. And sure enough, when we got to the port, it was ready to go. It was first heading to the port of Tacoma, where it was going to be loaded with military equipment, vehicles, weaponry, and then to the state of Israel. So at this point, there were around 500 protesters. This is a ship that's over 600 feet long, and the goal was to stop it from leaving the port. I asked Mohammed how they tried to get that done. So. Describe for me what that mobilization looked like, because I saw images of people clinging to um, a ladder on the ship. These protesters have been hanging on to the ship for about five hours now, and they are physically preventing it from leaving. In Tacoma, I saw images of people in kayaks. So when we arrived, we began doing a community picket. And what that essentially looks like is people chanting, um, people, you know, making a lot of noise, and basically walking around in a circle in front of a gate. Pro-Palestinian protesters blocked a ship for hours that was headed to the Middle East. The group says that the ship is headed to Israel to deliver weapons and other military equipment. Then the ship, they turned it on. They began closing the loading dock and unmooring the ship, untying the ship from from the dock. And at that point, there were protesters, there were community members that were there that actually went through the the gate. There was an opening and 
took it upon themselves to do whatever it was that they could to keep the ship from leaving. U.S. imperialism has killed countless millions of people around the world. We have a responsibility to make a clear stand against it. They are sending... You had people attempting to retie the ship, remoor the ship. You had folks jump onto that ladder and say they're putting their bodies on the line and not going to let the ship leave. When you talk about bodies on the line, I think the stakes feel even higher when you recognize that this is a U.S.-flagged military ship. So the U.S. Department of Defense has confirmed to Al Jazeera through email that the ship was used to support, quote, the movement of U.S. military cargo. But it didn't confirm whether or not it was going to Israel. Knowing that this is a U.S. military ship and what the ship had been used for in the past and what it is being alleged to be used for now, how does that play into your protest movement? Yeah, so we knew the the stakes, we knew the risks, right? But this moment really calls on us to do what is necessary. They are sending military weapons using military ships to the state of Israel. This is absolutely outrageous. We have since occupied it. There are people now that have climbed onto the ship. Our main goal was to raise the alarm to expose that this was happening. It was actually community members that were there that made their own decisions and very brave, heroic decisions, I would add, to jump onto the ship and to to do what they could to keep it from leaving. After the break, with the U.S. pledging more than $14 billion to Israel, do these actions make a difference? On the Inside Story podcast, a shock comeback for former British Prime Minister David Cameron. What does it mean for the U.K. at home and abroad? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. If we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. On October 20th, U.S. President Joe Biden sent Congress a request to provide $14.3 billion to Israel. It was unprecedented. That's on top of the $3.8 billion the U.S. provides Israel every year. Now, members of the Senate are pushing back, asking for transparency. So we reached out to someone who's been looking into that. The interesting thing about military aid to Israel from the United States is that it is completely not transparent. That's Sarah Yeager, the Washington Director of Human Rights Watch. So the American people don't usually know what Israel is spending the money on, what kind of weapons it's buying. Congress sometimes actually doesn't know what Israel is spending its money on. But Sarah says there are some things we do know 
So we know that the U.S. has transferred 155 millimeter ammunition and mortars over to Israel. We know about some of the other weapons. There's something like a thousand rounds of ammunition, but we're not sure exactly what the other funds are going to. It's basically a black hole and a blank check. And Sarah says right now, the money Israel already gets can be used with little to no oversight from the United States. They basically, they get a blank check um, in which the United States gives them money and they can purchase whatever weapons they want. And they don't have to tell the United States what they're purchasing. In the human rights community, of course, we believe that this is absolutely not appropriate, um, especially for a democracy, especially for a democracy giving weapons to another democracy or giving money to another democracy to buy weapons. It should certainly be a transparent process. And I know that many in Congress are looking at this and trying to amend what is currently happening. With this new proposed aid from Biden to Israel, that process might get even less transparent. Every time there is an arms sale, Congress gets notified. In this case, there would be a waiver in which Congress would not get notified, at least for the next year and probably longer than that. And of course, we in the human rights and democracy communities have a really big problem with this because, of course, the American people should know where its money is going. Mohammed in Oakland is trying to stop what he believes to be U.S. military aid heading to Israel, paid for, presumably by U.S. taxpayers. So I asked him for his thoughts on Biden's proposed funding. So, Mohammed, when you hear that number, $14.3 billion, what is your reaction? It is absolutely horrendous. It's disgusting. It is also incredibly insulting to people in the United States, right, that for years have been told that we don't have enough money for affordable housing as the homeless crisis in every major city continues to worsen. And yet here we are where the president of the country has absolutely zero hesitation in drafting a $14 billion check to the state of Israel that is currently engaged in atrocities and in contradiction with international law and a genocide against the Palestinian people. It's a slap in the face to all of us. We know that the Cape Orlando, the ship that you and other activists were blocking in Oakland and in Tacoma, Washington, was significantly delayed. But it eventually still sailed off. So I'm wondering what you and other protesters are hoping that your protests accomplished and future protests might accomplish. Yeah, while the ship ultimately left, the folks that you mentioned earlier Um, who went out on the canoes to try and block the ship were able to see military vehicles being loaded, right? And these were indigenous activists of the Paliwap Nation. While the ship was loaded, we are hoping that our protest put that ship on notice and put communities around the world on notice 
And in fact, there was a worker in Tacoma who walked off the job. He got off the ship and said, I don't want any part of this anymore. And that is a big victory for us. It didn't stop the ship, but it really showed that we can move people. Have you been in touch with your family in Palestine? Do they know about your protest actions? They're aware of um, my commitment to to Palestinian struggle and solidarity. They actually, most of my family live in inside of what is now Israel, right? 1948 Palestine. And so they're trying to be careful. So, Mohammed, oftentimes this conversation and seeing the events unfold can make people feel pretty helpless. What would you say to them? We don't have the the privilege or luxury of losing hope. We have that's not an option for us, right? Our our community members, our loved ones, our families back home are facing a genocide. For those of us in the United States, that genocide, that's happening with our money. They would not be able to do this without U.S. funding and political backing. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Chloe K. Lee and Faranisa Campana, with Zaina Bazar, Sonia Bagad, David Enders, Sariel Khalili, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Khalid Sultan, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>